This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 451. What do I actually want my life to be? What do I want success to look like? And then what are the qualities that are going to get me there? What's the life that I want to lead that is going to be at the end of this? No matter what your role or title is at work, selling is an important part of what you do, whether you're selling a product, an idea, or a new way of doing things. But before you can sell any of those things, you have to sell yourself. Creating your own personal brand and promoting it in all you do is essential to achieving your professional goals and getting ahead in life. Hi there, welcome. I'm Jeff Brown and this is the Read to Lead podcast. I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. This show all about personal and professional development. If you're not learning, you're not growing. Each week, we sit down with a successful and inspiring author, and we dig into his or her latest book and their insights on things like leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and more. And today, that person is Dr. Cindy McGovern. She's written a book called Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. I'm going to ask Dr. Cindy to share about what to do if you feel stuck between two or more personal brands, how to plan your brand the right way, what to do if you've mishandled your brand, and lots, lots more. Hey, for about another 24 hours, you still have a chance to win an autographed and personalized copy of my book, Read to Lead, and get entered into a drawing for an Amazon gift card. All you need to do to be eligible is to take my 2022 Listener Reader Survey. Just takes about 15 minutes and you'll find it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash survey22. That's the number 22. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash survey22. This is simply going to help me understand how to best serve you in the coming months and years. Haven't done a survey in quite some time. It's long overdue. So any insights you can provide would be most appreciated. One more time, that URL to take the survey and to be entered to win an autographed and personalized copy of my book and an Amazon gift card. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash survey 22. Dr. Cindy McGovern is internationally renowned as a business and motivational speaker and is an expert in sales, leadership, and communication. Known as the first lady of sales, she's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Every Job is a Sales Job, How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work. As the founder and CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting, Dr. Cindy has helped hundreds of companies grow their businesses by creating a culture in which employees, regardless of job title, embrace sales as a natural way to help themselves and others. Dr. Cindy's new book is called Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Brand. I'm excited for you to find out more about this book, and I'm excited to have her on the show. It's been a long time coming. Thank you so much for your patience in getting here, Dr. Cindy. So thrilled to have you. I am so excited to be here, Jeff. I'm so glad we were able to make it happen. Thanks for uh, inviting me. I was delighted to learn in our uh, pre-interview chat that you spent some time in the Nashville area and, and, and teaching at Belmont. Tell me a bit about that, that experience and, and your time uh, here in, in this city. I loved living there and fall was my favorite season. Um, it was just like a postcard everywhere you went. I'm a huge music fan. So you could hear live music anytime, anywhere. It was, it was just such a cool time. And it was after graduate school. So it was that sort of young time in life where you're figuring things out. And it was a great, great area to explore. And I love teaching at Belmont. I love the students. Really just phenomenal, phenomenal university. How long did you teach there? 
I taught total um, almost six years, but mm-hmm. I was only at Belmont for a short amount of time um, right before it, because then I moved to California to be with my now husband. So, <laughs> yeah. And then what was the class that, that you taught? I taught in the communication school. So it was a lot of courses like public speaking, um, leadership, argumentation, persuasion, anything with the communication side. So that's always been sort of the angle of, of my career has always been about that. Well, talk about with regard to personal branding, the sort of epiphany you had just before, if I recall, you were about to earn your PhD. It was something, uh, speaking of, of being a professor and teaching, something a professor said to you that led to this epiphany. (laughs) Yeah, I was literally weeks away from defending my dissertation. And we were talking about that day, and what would happen in the day. And one of my professors said, girls who look like you aren't supposed to be smart. And it was, it stunned me because I didn't quite know what to do with it, Jeff. Like I was like, what is he saying this for? What's he referring to? (laughs) But what he was trying to get me to realize is I actually had to sell myself, not just my research in that room. And I hadn't, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I hadn't thought about that. I thought, but I did all this amazing research. I did a dissertation. I did these things. Like, of course, that's going to speak for itself. But he was saying, they're going to have to buy you in order to buy whatever you did. And I went, oh, why didn't I learn that before now? (laughs) (laughs) I've got two weeks or whatever to figure this out. Yeah, (laughs) I got to figure it out right away. (laughs) Well, you also assert that our personal brand that we develop is useless unless we do three very specific things. And I like that it's also how you structured the book, which is handy. Uh, What are those three things exactly? So the first thing is you've got to create a brand. It's not something that happens by accident if you're being intentional. And you've got to really think through the scenarios of where your brand can help, can hinder, what the triggers will be for you when you'll want to go off brand. So there's truly a crafting piece. And then the second piece is you got to live it. (laughs) It's got to be authentic. It's got to be you. And it's got to be something you can sustain in literally every aspect of life. And then the third piece, which is the one that is the most often skipped, is you have to sell that brand. You have to proactively look for moments in time to elevate the different facets of your brand so people are kind of buying what you're trying to sell. But I'm not in sales. We'll talk about that (laughs) in just a little bit. Yes, you are. We'll find out a little bit more about that in a moment. When a book early on mentions Dolly Parton, I, I know that it's going to be a solid book. And I, I'm not being insincere. I mean that sincerely. You mentioned Dolly as you're talking just now about intentionality. Perfect example of an intentional brand, a consistent brand. To that, talk about the exercise you recommend at the end of this chapter, chapter one, involving the, the five words or phrases you, you want others to, to associate you with. So I'm a huge Dolly fan and I just, I think she should rule the world, but, but she is absolutely live. She created it. She lives it and she sells it. And she is truly a phenomenal example. But if you use her as the example for the exercise, what I want readers to do and I want listeners to do is think about five words that you want people to use when they describe you kind of like always never, right? So Cindy always does. Jeff never does. Okay. Dolly Parton always looks like Dolly Parton. (laughs) (laughs) She is never going to walk out without hair, makeup, lipstick, nails, all the things. Dolly Parton is never unkind. These are the pieces where if you know who you want to be known as and who you want your reputation and legacy to be, the exercises whittle that down to five of those kinds of words 
that you want others to say about you when you're not in the room. And that's going to help you get closer to what that core brand is that you want to be known as. And then you can start crafting what those other facets are. There's some great examples in the book of people who don't realize it, but are struggling with uh, the back and forth between more than than one brand. And I'm not sure I would have even immediately thought about it, but you 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 lay them out so clearly and, and so obviously. Uh, what are some things folks having that struggle between multiple brands? What, what what should they consider? Maybe what questions might they ask themselves to help them sort of pick a lane? Yeah. So I, I, there's a number of ways that I talk about it in the book, and it's like a split personality brand is the best way to think about it, where you're <laughs> sort of their their brands are competing with one another. Mm. And one of the examples in the book is is a restaurant. It's Timex was the name of it, and I'm thinking like the watch, but it's T H A I Mex. I was like. Okay, so do I want Thai food or Mexican? Could never make a decision. And so I never went. <laughs> so it's the same thing with your brand. If people don't know how to sort of file you in their mind and they know where your space is, they can't advocate for you. And I really do believe that nobody does this life alone. We all help each other. And I may think you are the best chef in the world, but then you keep telling me you want to go be a singer. I don't know where to put you. (laughs) So when you have two brands that are, that are kind of in conflict, it's not that you're not good at both of those brands. It's that you haven't been clear about what your intention is of what mark you want to leave on the world. So you've got to take a step back and really start thinking about, you know, what do I actually want my life to be? What do I want success to look like? And then what are the qualities that are going to get me there? What's the life that I want to lead that is going to be at the end of this? And if it's a chef, then you go down that brand path. If it's a singer, you go down that brand path. But there is a decision that needs to be made. It doesn't mean that you can't be a chef who sings or a singer who cooks, but you got to pick a lane. (laughs) Yeah. With regard to creating our brand, you mentioned, again, intentionality and planning. If planning our brand is one of the most important steps we can take, then that leads me to want to ask what should be then on that planning checklist? So I am I am a hyper planner just as a human being. And I know this about me. My to-do list has a to-do list is what I always say. Like I just, I love, I love a good plan. But the first thing is, and this is where I think people struggle is know what you want. Know literally what you want out of this and what you want your brand to try to help you to do. Because that's also where people get a little bit sideways in reaching their goals they never thought about it. Well, everybody listening and watching this podcast today, you have a brand. Is it on purpose? So if you plan for it, you go, okay, what do I want? What are my core values? What's important to me? That's the first place to start. Then you start looking at your goals. Where do I want my life to go? And then what's really important to me to help me get to that? Those are the things you start with in that planning checklist. But I'll tell you where people also, they plan for the good, they don't plan for the bad. So they fall off the rails. So you've got to know what's going to get in your way. Who are the who are the detractors who are going to be like, oh, well, you said you wanted to be a chef. Well, now you want to be a singer. Well, what's it going to be tomorrow? You know, mm-hmm. so be ready for being derailed and get really clear on who you want to be and the mark you want to leave. When I coach uh, podcasters, one of the things we walk through in structuring a show is what I call the five must-haves that need to be a part of your intro, That those first 60 seconds. And I noticed uh, about a third of the way through page 42, you start talking about the five must-haves for every personal brand. What are, what are some of those things that we uh-huh. So So it was very funny. And it's funny you asked this question because that was one of the things when I was writing this book, I said, 
people are going to ask, but what does it include? And that's so hard to bring it to sort of a, a small, succinct list because it depends on the brand. Some brands are larger, some brands are smaller. Neither one's good or bad. They're just different. So when I was thinking about this list, the five must-haves are, it's got to be you. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. And if it's not, you're not going to be able to live it going forward. It's, it's, it's unsustainable. Pick a brand that says, but I'm good at this. I'm successful. Pick that, pick that sort of idealistic piece of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not aiming high enough. Doesn't mean you have to be 110% of this brand today. It might be a brand you're growing into. But pick a brand that says, here's who I am. And then pick a brand that actually you can sell to others based on what you want to communicate. And I'm, you know, I'm a communications professor, so that's a big deal to me. But <laughs> one thing that I think people don't think about is how you're communicating what your intention is. Mm. And probably letting our work speak for itself, kind of like me as a grad student. I thought the research spoke for itself. I did three years of research. (laughs) How are you communicating that? And I think it's really important to have a brand that helps other people. And I I struggled with that one, to be very honest with you, Jeff, because that's Mm. very personal to me that I think a brand should help others. But I honestly think if we whittle it down and we look at the most powerful personal brands out there, they do something for other people. Mm. So I think that's important. And then, you know, pick a brand you can stick with. (laughs) When I started this podcast, I had people ask me, you love reading books now. Is that going to be the case five, (laughs) 10 years now? Well, it's been nine and a half years and I can say yes so far. Exactly. Uh, And and to the point you're just making, I think of Zig Ziglar. Yes. You'll you'll get everything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, Going back to a follow-up I wanted, I meant to ask, and I didn't ask with regard to conflicting brands. Um, it is possible to live multiple brands at the same time, as long as they're complementary, right? Absolutely. And and everybody has what I would call multiple micro brands. Hmm. You know, you're a parent, you're a friend, you're a podcaster, you're an author, you're, you know, there's these micro brands, as long as there is that core value common thread hmm. where it's like, oh, you do this, but these five other things, but they all help people. You do this, but these five other things, but they're all in entertainment. You do this, but these five other things, but they're all in the good guy category. Hmm. So as long as it's con- there's a consistency to it, again, it's, it's, it's the filing system of the human brain. We just need to know where you fit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Moving to uh, part two of the book, Living Your Brand, what advice would you give for helping someone literally live out their brand? So the biggest piece is you've got to have that brand plan that plans for both the good and the bad. Like I mentioned, you know, what are the triggers that are going to get in your way that are going to make you want to go off brand? And especially if it's a brand that you're growing into. So maybe you're intentionally trying to be more punctual. That's Mm. going to take a little effort. Mm. You're trying to get up earlier in the morning. That's going to take different planning. So some of those things are things that you've got to be really intentional about and create a practice around it so that you can grow into that brand. But the biggest thing is about that authenticity, that it needs to be a brand that's truly you. Because if you're going to have to be you plus 50% forever, it's not sustainable. Mm. If it's you plus 10%, completely doable. So being mindful of what size motor you've got in your soul <laughs> to be able to execute. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about someone, and we see this all the time, uh, in a situation where they've mishandled their brand? Let's use that, that word. How, how might they, they turn it around? So we see this a lot with celebrities and people in the public eye, of course. And so this is something that I do talk about in the book, as you know, of, of like, you got you to gotta manage that because 
it was a slip up. And so, you know, don't go off brand would be the best thing <laughs> that you could do. Don't slip um, up. <laughs> yeah, don't slip up. Don't take your brand for granted is the other piece of that. Like a lot of people say, oh, but I've grown into this brand. This is who I am. No, no, no. You're, you're a little, as we would say in the South, you're getting too big for your britches, if you will. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so those are things. But if all of those things happen and then you do go off brand, own it. Own it, say you're sorry, fix it, and basically learn from it. Because you are human, but it's when you try to cover it up, you create distrust in your brand. And the whole point of having a powerful personal brand is people can trust your brand. You buy a name brand product because you trust the product. And you trust that it's going to do whatever it says it is. Same thing with you as a human being. When you've gone off brand that created a little ripple and people need to regain the trust in your brand. And so you got to sell them on that. Mm. Growing up with a father who was from Kentucky and my mother who's from Alabama, I heard that uh, you're getting too big for your bridges <laughs> more times than I can count and <laughs> phrases like, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week and and Ooh, on and on yeah. and on. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to go outside and get your own switch? I remember that as a kid. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I did. And there were times when you know, I had Hot Wheels and Hot Wheels tracks. And I remember my mom grabbing one of those plastic Hot Wheels tracks on a whim and deciding that's going to be the thing I discipline you with today. And it really made me reconsider what I started asking for Christmas. I got to really think this through. Kids raised in the South. Is it crazy? Well, I hinted at this before, but let's let's dig into this now. A lot of people still, I think even in 2022, don't consider themselves a salesperson or, or even good at selling, uh, let alone selling themselves. But, but all of us are in this, whether we realize it or not. Talk about why you stress that literally every job is, is, is a sales job. So I was one of those people, to be very honest. I didn't think that I was in sales. I didn't want to be in sales. And to be very truthful, I thought it was icky and pushy and manipulative and horrible, right? So then I found myself in a sales role and thought, I'm going to get fired. I can't do this job. <laughs> and in the role, what I realized is I had actually been selling my entire life. I just didn't call it sales. I called it convincing mm. my boyfriend, husband now, you know, to move wherever I wanted him to move to in the neighborhood. Like I wanted to live in Franklin, Tennessee. So convincing mm. that, you know, <laughs> or, or getting your friends to go here on vacation versus there on vacation. We are all selling all day, every day in every interaction, every interaction with another human being is a transaction, whether it's in 2D over video, 3D in person, or even in a text message, you're selling. And we have to recognize that because every single interaction is a chance to stay on brand and reinforce your brand or go off brand. And that's why I believe that every job really is a sales job. And it was funny because I, I realized this later after I had gotten out of school and I went, I have a PhD in communication and I was never taught sales. It's not part of the curricula. Wow. And I think it's a, honestly, it's a life skill, not just a business skill. I think we should be teaching it in high school. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I don't know if you identify with this, but for years, I too kind of looked at sales as icky. And so the conclusion I would draw is, well, then it's a, it's a good thing that I'm not good at that thing. <laughs> Yeah. Wrong. And, Wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and it's so funny that you say that though, because that was the honest inventory of I'm not good at that thing. But let me ask a question. You probably had the same definition of sales that I did at that moment, which is 
I'm not good at being manipulative. I'm not good at being pushy. I'm not good at making others feel uncomfortable. Yes, totally. 100%. I'm the same way. And when I realized that's not sales, that is manipulation, being pushy and making (laughs) someone uncomfortable. That's not what sales is. Sales is really finding a need in another person and finding a way to solve that need. And if it happens to be with your product, that's even better. But that's really all sales is. Yeah, well said. I have a couple of questions, uh, Dr. Cindy, I want to ask that aren't directly related to the book in the time we have left. Uh, before I do that, I always ask, though, is there anything else that we didn't talk about with regard to the book? Do you want to make sure that we that we know? I just want to reiterate, we kind of touched on this, but the fact that everybody has a personal brand already (laughs) and being mindful of what facets of it you are selling. And so even going back to me as, as a PhD candidate, I was selling that I was a good researcher. I wasn't selling my own credibility and the ability to take that research and do something else with it. And so looking at those pieces of your life, if you're not getting where you want to go, examine, do an honest inventory and see if it's because you're not selling yourself. Mm. And if that's it, then that sort of creates that track of looking at your brand. I've begun thinking about things truthfully, like, well, my hair is not as dark as it used to be. (laughs) How does that impact my brand? Uh, I'm keeping a beard now and it's all white. <laughs> you know, uh, Those are some things I, I think about with regard to my brand. Is Are, are those moving in the right direction or not in the right yeah. direction? I've, I've yet to figure that out. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what's funny. That's absolutely part of the brand though, because yeah. it, we, we sell to the, I talk about this in the book, we sell to the five senses. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if we look at two packaging, one is generic packaging, it's in black and white, it's really boring. And another one's got beautiful color. We go, Oh, this one's fun. And, <laughs> and here's the other thing with credibility. Sometimes the white beard actually gives you that credibility. Sometimes, you know, the when I used to have not any gray hair, it gives you credibility. You know, it, it depends on depends right. on the audience and what you're selling. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to ask about books, uh, your history with books, if you wouldn't mind maybe recommending a book or two that's been impactful to you over the years. So, you know, it's funny. I I I am an avid reader, as are you, and there are so many books that have made a profound impact. But as I was working on this one, one that I went back to that everybody knows, but rarely have I found that people actually have read it, is How to Win Friends and Influence People from a gajillion and what my, I used to use it as a textbook when I taught interpersonal communication. I had my students read it. But that was one that when I was working on this, I went back to it and said, that was a personal branding book, but nobody called it that. <laughs> right. And so I, I wanted to bring that one back up. And then there's another one that has really um, impacted me that came out maybe about a year ago, and it's Kathy Caprino, Most Powerful You. And mm-hmm. it's she's very much a women audience, but I literally believe everybody can take something away from this. But The Most Powerful You is about literally living your most powerful self, what gets in your way and how to overcome that to bring what I call in my book, your superpowers to the world. And I just, it it was really profound and um, made a, made a huge impact on me. She's a great writer. I haven't, I haven't read that. I'll have to check that out. The other book you mentioned is, is I think the 80th anniversary edition (laughs) somewhere on the shelf behind me here. So yeah, that's, that's uh, in fact, I, I, I have bought that for some of my nieces and nephews when they turned 13. I, I read somewhere somebody else doing that. I thought that's a great idea. And I've got these nieces and nephews that are entering that age. Some of them have devoured it in, you know, in a day or two, in a weekend. And it's really, it's really paid, paid dividends in 
most cases. <laughs> That's a great book to give. That's a re- yeah. I love the idea of that. That's a really good gift. Most of them I've taken to it. Let's put it that way. Um, I want to ask you about um, how you handle your personal knowledge, how you manage your personal knowledge as, as a writer, as a researcher, uh, a former professor and teacher. I'd be curious to know uh, what your methods are for collecting and capturing notes from the content you consume, um, maybe how you organize it, how you break it down and, and think about it from your own perspective, maybe add new things to it. And ultimately, how do you then take what you've done there and create with it? So I love this question because um, I don't think I've ever been asked it before. <laughs> so I, I think it's really profound. My brain is is literally, there is no rest button. I am 95 miles an hour, 24 seven. If I wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night, it's because something woke me up that I was thinking about. So I actually have a little bit of a harder time organizing because there's like 40 things going on at once. So I have to write things down. That's why I like my to-do list has a to-do list because I have to write it down. That's the way I remember things. Hmm. But I am a snippet girl. So I love a sticky note. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I take ideas, I write notes. I'm the, you know, the, the gal that's reading a book and taking notes at the same time on my tablet. Mm-hmm. And then when I get one of those ideas, it goes on a sticky note and it goes on the wall. And I'm I'm traveling right now, or else I literally could show you my sticky wall. <laughs> but that's how I write books. And that's how a book begins. And when I get enough sticky notes, then I start going, huh. Let me move this one over here. Let me move that one over there. And so both of my books that I have written have literally been written on sticky notes that then turned into chapters that then turned into a book. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. One final question, or maybe it's a combination of questions. Um, This is with regard to what I call uh, your dream habits or dreaming big. It's an acronym. The five personal habits, I believe, that will supercharge your life. Most guests I've interviewed over the course of the last nine and a half years do most most of these in, in some capacity. It's not necessary that you do them all, but I'd love for you to comment on one or two, maybe your favorites. And those being um, this idea of dancing with discomfort. That's the first one. You're getting outside your comfort zone, how important that is. Ritualizing, reading, and making it a habit. Examining your energy and, and thinking about um, viewing things you do or not do through the lens of energy. Assemble your advisors is is about you know surrounding yourself with a personal board of advisors. Now important that is, and the last one is just making the most of your mornings, uh, such that when your day starts, you, you've uh, accomplished more than most people have. So, any of those that stick out to you that you want to expound upon? Do I have to just pick one. I love those. Um, so, <laughs> you can do all five. It's up to you. <laughs> the, so the the first one that really strikes me is the dancing with discomfort because you're only growing if you're uncomfortable. There, I really do believe that. And I think we get, and I wrote a blog about this a couple of years ago, but I think we get stuck not just in the comfort zone, but the familiar zone. Mm. Even when the familiar is uncomfortable, we're not willing to step into discomfort to actually change it. So, and and I'm the gal that has, again, 47 ideas in, in 10 minutes, and then I take them to my team and they're like, no, no, those are all terrible. So <laughs> I, that's where it brings me to that that advisor piece where, you know, assembling your advisors, I really do believe nobody does this life alone. And they kind of go hand in hand for me because I'm willing to stretch, but I like to have a governor. (laughs) I like to have somebody that goes, this is no, 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 no. This is not for you. This is, this is not where you go. But I, I really think also getting used to being in that space of discomfort and trying to find things to challenge us 
makes us stronger to help others. And that's probably why I continue to do so. And I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly starting things. I started another company this year because I want to learn new things because I think it makes me strong to help my clients. And when we get to that point where we think we know it and we're good, that's the day I need to retire. That's that's the day <laughs> I need to just be done. <laughs> I used to so much live in that space. First half of my radio career, I, I worked mostly in little podunk towns. And that's where I felt comfortable because I was, quote unquote, better than everybody else. It was easy to be better than everybody else when you stayed in that in that zone. I was saw myself as the smartest guy in the room. And then halfway through my career, I landed at a company where everybody was way ahead of me. And I hated it at first. But then as I began to lean into it, I thought, oh my gosh, I should have been doing this all along. I'm learning so much. And it was then that I started reading these things called books and seeing the value of that and getting comfortable with being, as you said, uncomfortable. It reminds me of a, of a Stoic-inspired philosophy, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. Yeah. And that's always, that's always stuck with me. Well, the book again is called Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. Her name is Dr. Cindy McGovern, or if we go by the brand strictly, Dr. Cindy. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Cindy, for being here today. Really appreciate you talking about the book. I am so honored to be here. It was great fun. Thank you for having me, Jeff. You'll want to be sure and check out Dr. Cindy's personal website as well as her special book website. I've put links to both of those in the show notes, along with links to the other resources we talked about, including how to connect with Cindy online. It's all at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 451 for episode 451. Remember that today, November 28th, is your last chance to enter to win a copy of my book, autographed and personalized, along with an Amazon gift card, when you take my Reader Listener 2022 survey. You can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash survey22. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash survey, and then the number 22. In the coming weeks, you can look forward to conversations with author Anne Latham, who's written a book called The Disconnect Principle, as well as Jennifer Glucko and Sales in a New York Minute. That and more in the coming weeks, right here on the Read to Lead podcast. That's it for this week. Hope to see you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh,